Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. Well, this morning, as uh, you heard Brian announce on the, on the announcement, today is a, kind of a safety awareness Sunday. It, it's very sad. I tell you, 20 years ago, I would have never dreamt that we would have something called maybe a safety awareness Sunday, but it is a crazy, evil, mixed up, weird world in which we live, isn't it? And we are all aware of tragic things that have happened in churches and uh, people's uh, lives were lost simply because people didn't know what to do. People didn't know how to respond. So we're having this service this morning because we value all of you. We value your safety. We value the safety of all of our kids in, in kids' church, and we feel this is important for you to hear. Great information. Now, some of you may ask, well, why are you doing this on a Sunday morning? Why not do it on an off night? Who can answer that question for me? Hey, because if we do it on an off night, who's going to be here? The, the, the staff, that's who will be here. And so we're doing this on a Sunday morning because we think it's valuable information and we want you to hear it. It's information that could literally save your life at some point. Hopefully uh, we don't experience something like that, but there's not a church in America who has been under attack that ever thought it would happen to them. And so... We value your safety. And we have got uh, a great individual that's, that's here this morning to be able to share information with us. Uh, he is uh, invaluable uh, in our safety and security department. He's the head of that. He is a husband. He is a father. He's a church drummer. And he is a member of the San Antonio Police Force. He is Detective Jeremy Volz. And let's welcome him this morning as he comes to share with us. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Doug. So um, before I get started, um, I just want to make sure, I know this has been announced um, so that everybody knew what was coming up, um, but I, I want to make sure that everybody understands that um, this, this is something that um, is geared more towards adults. It's geared more towards teenagers and adults, right? So there's nothing that's super inappropriate. There's nothing that is super graphic. Um, I am going to be showing videos and pictures. Um, if, if my eight-year-old son was in here, I would be fine with it, okay? Um, but I want that to be um, the parent's decision. Um, so if, if at any point you feel like, ah, I don't want my kids to sit through this, and you get up and walk out, you're not going to hurt my feelings or, or offend me. Um, but I think it's important for everybody to hear. Um, so that's just a little disclaimer that I'll, that I'll throw out there. So um, I remember about 10 years ago when I graduated the um, police academy, um, Pastor Doug brought me up and um, prayed for me and prayed for my safety and presented me with a, a Bible um, specifically for law enforcement officers. And I remember... I remember in his prayer or in his presentation of that, he, he mentioned, uh, maybe one day this Bible will stop a bullet. <laughs> and, and, and I remember thinking, well, that's kind of weird prayer. Let's, pr let's pray, that, let's pray that, that that bullet never even gets close to me. But, uh, 
I, I remember laughing with him about that um, when that happened. Um, and and Pastor, Pastor Doug did a good job of, of opening, the, opening this up in the fact that um, we, it's just a preparedness. It's just information. And the point of today is just to get you to think about things that you may not normally have thought about. Okay, because in our world, it can happen anytime, um, any place, right? And just, if nothing else but just thinking about things could change the way that, um, uh, the outcome, okay? Because if you're, and I'm probably getting ahead of myself with my presentation, but if you're in the middle of an emergency, if you're, if you're thrown right into the middle of an emergency, and I'm talking about life or death situation, that's not the time to be thinking I wonder what I should do, right? Because you're not going to be able to function. And unless you've thought about it ahead of time and you've told yourself, okay, if this happens, this is what I'm gonna do, you're, you're gonna, you've heard the, the, the phrase, um, uh, fly, or what is it? Yes, that. Um, you're, going to, you're going to freeze. And that's not what, that's the last thing that needs to happen in, in any of these emergencies. Um, so as Pastor Doug mentioned, um, I'm the safety director here at CT Church. Um, I have a, a, a wonderful safety team that I'll talk about um, as we go through, all, through this. Um, I'm a detective with the San Antonio Police Department um, with the Special Victims Unit. Um, that's my day job. And I'm also a certified alert instructor um, through Texas State University. Um, alert stands for Advanced Law Enforcement Rapid Response Training. Um, Alert has a center at Texas State University, which was created in 2002, a partnership between Texas State University, the San Marcos Police Department, and the Hayes County Sheriff's Office to address the need for active shooter response training for first responders. In 2013, Alert was named the National Standard in Active Shooter Response Training by the FBI. Now, several years ago, um, Alert kind of tweaked their training and came out with this program um, for, for a civilian response to active shooters. So that program is what I'm a part of, where I, I go and they train um, law enforcement officers, and then we can then go out into the communities and, and train other people. Now, when I, when I use the word like civilian, okay, um, as I go through this presentation, it's not geared for everybody. It's not even geared for everybody in here because I know that there are um, other sworn police officers in this room. Um, there's military that are in this room. And so there's a difference between, when I say civilian, um, I'm talking about people who are not um, sworn uniformed personnel, right? So I'm not talking to those people. They, they all could be up here giving this presentation as well. Um, <clears throat> those people are going to respond differently in these situations, and they've already been trained, and they know what to do. So this is not for, for them. So when I use the word civilian, I'm talking about um, non-law enforcement um, personnel. Um, I don't necessarily like doing this. I don't like getting up here and, and talking, um, but I think it's important. And um, not only that, but Pastor Janet asked me to, and I'm more scared to tell Janet no. <laughs> than I am to get up here and talk in front of people. So um, that's why I'm here. So if you're, if you're visiting today or maybe you've come several weeks and you're still on the fence about is this the church I want to go to, 
don't let today be the deciding factor because I'm, <laughs> I'm not the preacher. I'm not a preacher. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, this isn't, this isn't going to be a super spiritual uh, message. Um, and so I hope that doesn't offend anybody. Um, but it's just, as Pastor Doug said, it's, it's, it's important information. Um, and I'm very thankful that we do have a pastoral staff that is being proactive with this. Um, normally, the status quo is that you're reactive. Something happens, and by then it's too late. It's already happened, and now you're trying to figure out what we did wrong, what we could have done different, and what we're going to do in the future. So I'm thankful um, to have proactive um, staff. I also don't feel like preparing and talking about this um, shows any lack of faith in God or um, his ability or willingness to protect us as Christians, to protect us as his church, because as we know, bad people do bad things. And um, unfortunately, we, we know of situations where it has happened in churches, and it doesn't show a lack of faith. Um, and I mean, if that was the case, then why do you lock your doors at night? You know, I'll just throw that out there. So I don't feel that it's a lack of faith to be prepared um, for something like this. So the goal, the, like I said, the goal for today is to inform you of some ideas and, and challenge you to do some thinking um, when you're just going, going through your everyday life. This is information you can use um, in the grocery store, at work, at church, at school, any, anywhere that you're at, this is good information to know about and think about. Um, and, and my personal um, feeling on it is I don't rely on anyone else to protect myself and my family. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more um, later on when we talk about response times for police and that kind of stuff. So um, just having a little bit more situational awareness um, could change the way that the story ends. Um, we're we're going to be talking a lot about um, the avoid, deny, defend strategy. I'm going to be showing videos and pictures during the presentation, and um, s some of them are emotional, some of them are hard to watch, um, but, and please understand that, that this is not me um, being a Monday morning quarterback or making fun of anyone or the way that they reacted. Um, it, this is, this is, for lack of better words, training videos, okay? Um, we're going to look at stuff, and we're going to say, um, this is an example of what I'm talking about. This is, this is why I'm saying what I'm saying. We have videos to, to kind of show um, real situations, and we'll, we'll discuss those. Um, the, the avoid, deny, defend strategy is something that Alert kind of came out with, and it's very similar to the, um, some of you may have heard of, of run, fight, hide. Um, it's, a, it's kind of what all the public schools use as a, a run, fight, hide strategy. It's very similar to that. Um, and in fact, they can be interchangeable. Um, the only difference is the, um, the avoid, deny, defend. It's just different words that have um, purpose behind them. And what that means is that a lot of times in these situations, your ability to survive them depends on your mindset, okay? Um, your mind is very strong, and if you tell yourself, 
during a situation, this is what I'm going to do, then you're going to do it. Um, so, and what I mean by that is, so avoid, we'll get into what, what each of these means, but um, run, fight, hide is more victim-oriented, um, you know, meaning I'm just going to run, and I don't really have a purpose, I'm just running, right, um, to get out of the situation. But if you're avoid, avoid, there's a purpose behind that word. You're avoiding a situation. Um, deny is, goes along the line with hide, right? Hide, there's no purpose in that. Um, and we'll get into each of these um, individually. So avoid, deny, defend is very similar to um, run, hide, fight. And we'll talk about that. All right. Um, so let's go ahead and get into talking about active attack events. Um, and they tr we try to come up with different phrasing and wording um, because although the most common weapon used in an active attack event or an attempted mass murder is a firearm, um, most commonly there, there has been an increase in other weapons such as knives or vehicles um, being used. So I don't want to just, I'm, I'll say it by default a lot, but I don't want to just talk about active shooter um, because this can be used in any situation. I don't want to limit ourselves to um, there has to be a gun before I react this way. Um, so it's an active attack event is what I, I'm going to try to use today when I'm talking about this. All right, so um, my, fir my first little video um, is a, it's a map of the United States and it plots the active attack events that have taken place since the year 2000. And there's a little um, key over here, what all the little dots and everything means. And, and again, um, nothing in this presentation um, is, is, is ever meant to be political or anything like that. Um, this, what the purpose of this map is, is to show you that it doesn't matter where you live, um, an, an event, an active attack event has happened. So since 2000, there's been 280 of these um, active attack events that, that the FBI and ALERT has, um, you know, said is one of these events. And there's not, a, there's not a specific number that has to be injured or killed for it to be one of these. It doesn't have to be a specific weapon. Um, it's, it's just the data that the FBI has compiled since 2000. Um, going again? Okay, uh, this graph shows um, where these attack where these attacks have occurred. Um, so commerce includes office buildings, malls, other shopping establishments, um, and that makes up over fifty percent of where these events have happened. <clears throat> Schools and places of education is about twenty five percent. Um, outdoors is going to be like a, a sporting event or a concert or, you know, any event that's outdoors and then everything else is, is grouped in there. So this just kind of shows like um, it, it's, it's spread out. There's not one particular place or type of place that, that these happen at. And then the, uh, the next graph shows the number of times where there was a connection between the attacker and the site. Uh, for an example, an employee or former employee attacking their place of employment or a current or former student attacking their school. 
Um, the reason I included these slides is that it just shows that it's very difficult to um, stop these things and predict these things because only half of the time um, is there a connection with the person and the place. So the other half, it's just completely random. So that's what makes these things so dangerous and hard to, um, to deal with. Um, so now we're going to talk about <clears throat> some, some more recent actual events that a lot of us have probably heard of. Um, this was in Las Vegas um, in 2017. Um, an individual attacked concert goers from an elevated position in the Mandalay Bay Hotel. The individual killed 59 people, making it the largest mass casualty event since 9-11. Um, what we learned from this event is that getting on the ground and um, being stationary um, only makes you a, a bigger and an easier target. Um, also, most people don't know, and I didn't know until um, this study kind of came out, what happens when um, a bullet hits concrete from an elevated position, okay? So one would think that it's gonna ricochet, and it, it kind of does, but it doesn't stop. So a bullet coming in a downward angle hitting concrete, um, it changes direction, and then it stays three to four, maybe five inches above the concrete, and then just keeps going. So if you can imagine how that was not good for people for their first um, instinct was to get on the ground, right? Um, The best thing that could have been done in this case was to um, avoid or run. Now, I understand that, like I said, we're looking back on this event and I was not there. Um, I don't think that people realized where it was coming from at first. Um, I get all of that, but um, you don't wanna stay where you're at. Is the, is the main thing. You do not want to stay where you're at. You want to get, get away. You want to avoid that, um, that area, if, if at all possible. Um, the next one is um, Sutherland Springs in 2017. An individual attacked a small church with a rifle. Um, the assault, assault started outside with him shooting through the walls into the church. Um, he, then, he then went inside the church, killing 26 and wounding 20 more. Um, this was only stopped because a passerby um, realized what was going on and engaged him with his own weapon. Um, he was injured and then fled the location. Um, the purpose of these events is to um, cause as much death and, and destruction as they can. Um, and so we just want to make sure that we're not um, just making it easier for them. Okay, so the number of deaths and injuries that are caused by one of these events really depends on two things, um, how quickly the police arrive and the, availab the availability of targets, right? So nobody in this room can control how fast the police respond, right? Um, but we can control or at least attempt to control um, the availability of targets, and that's what I'm talking about um, today. So statistically, 
on average, the response time for police in one of these events, not regular everyday police calls, but on one of these events, um, the average is three minutes for the, for the first officer to respond. Um, in the police world, three minutes is good. That's a good response time. That's very quick. Um, that's nothing to look down on. But if you're in the middle of one of these events, three minutes is going to feel like an eternity. It's going to feel like a very long time. And a lot can happen in three minutes. And so what you do during those three minutes um, is what we're talking about today and is, is what is important. So during these three minutes, you're going to experience three stages of disaster response. Um, the three stages are denial, deliberation, and a decisive moment. People who survive these events um, go through this process faster and take better actions at the decisive moment because they have prepared beforehand and because they have just spent a little bit of time um, thinking. We all know what denial is. Um, most people who survived workplace shootings said they initially thought it was fireworks. Um, what we're talking about today, allow yourself to go directly to that being gunshots, okay? Um, how, how, how often is there a fireworks show where you work? Not very often, maybe, unless you work at Fiesta Texas, I guess, but not very often, right? So, I mean, allow yourself to go to gunshots. If it ends up not being gunshots, okay, it's fine. We're still good to go. Um, but if it is and you're thinking, oh, it's just fireworks, okay, now we're in trouble. So um, get, through, get through the denial part faster. Um, don't think, no, that can't be gunshots. Don't think, no, that's not going to happen here. Just be ready to act. Um, once you get past the um, denial phase, um, you enter what they call the deliberation phase. <clears throat> this is when you understand that something bad is happening, and now you must decide what to do. This is a problem because when you're in one of these um, situations, like I said earlier, the brain is not functioning well because of the effect that stress has on the body. Additionally, this is when fear enters the equation. When you've gotten past the denial and you're like, okay, this is real, this is bad. Besides stress and um, adrenaline, now you've got fear. And so your body's not going to um, function well uh, because you realize it's a potentially life or death situation. Um, this next slide is um, when stress and fear set in, the reason your body doesn't, doesn't work well is because it affects your heart rate and it makes it that much harder to, to function. So um, this little graph here, um, so when you're in condition white, it's a very low normal, um, there's nothing going on, and your heart rate is, is low. Condition yellow, um, when you start getting up into um, 90 to 100 beats per minute, you can start losing your fine motor skills. Fine motor skills is like trying to use a key to open a door, um, trying to undo a zipper on a purse. Little fine motor skills like that start to get harder to do. Um, once we get up into red, around 120 beats per minute, your complex motor skills start to deteriorate. Condition gray, um, your cognitive processing deteriorates. You get tunnel vision, auditory exclusion, 
um, time dilation where it feels like time is um, slowing down. Um, condition black, that's system overload, that's um, freezing, possibly passing out when your heart rate gets to that, um, to that level. All right, let's go to the next one. So this, um, this first video I'm gonna show is people that are past the denial phase and they have entered the deliberation phase. Um, notice the length of time it takes the female with the stroller to remove the child from it. Um, in fact, she never properly removes the child, she just achieves it through brute force. Um, it takes her about 10 seconds and that's something that she's done many times. Um, however, under stress, she's not capable of performing that task in a timely manner. Um, 10 seconds is a lifetime when you have an aggressive attack, um, no matter what weapon is being used. So people are running into each other, knocking each other down. Um, it's just panic and chaos, right? <clears throat> And uh, some is this. So, some people are trying to hide in uh, plain sight too. Um, so, in February of 2013, in Rhode Island, a fire broke out during a concert at a station nightclub. Um, it was caused by pyrotechnics used by the band on the stage. Uh, the fire spread very quickly, and 100 people were killed. Um, now, this was accidental. This wasn't an active um, attack event, but it's important to talk about this um, because it shows how people re react or don't react during an emergency. So this map shows um, that there was actually four exits to this building. Um, I, it may be hard to see, but this first one down here on the left is exit number two. It was at the back of the kitchen. So probably nobody knew about that exit. Nobody knows there's an exit in the back of the kitchen or where the kitchen is. Um, number three in the corner here was an exit that was accessible out through the main bar. Um, in the middle, number one was the main entrance. That's where um, everybody came in at. They, they had bouncers and everybody comes in the door, pays their charge or gives their ticket, whatever. And then they funnel them in that way. And then there was a fourth exit that was actually behind the stage which of course was not accessible because that's where the fire was at. That's where it started. So really, you only had two of those four exits um, available to them, okay? And the reason that that's important is because it's human nature to exit out the same door that you came in, right? Um, you do it without thinking. So this is why we're talking about this, so that when you are in places or at places, you just change the way of thinking, okay? <clears throat> so we're um, near exit number one, the main entrance, that's where most of the people um, did not make it out. Also, did you go ahead, Jeff? Um, over here on the right corner of the building, there's... It's hard to tell in this photo, but those are all windows. And it's right next to the, um, I guess it's the pool hall where all those, there's pool tables and stuff. So um, there was a lot of things in that pool table area that could have been used to break um, 
windows, right? Um, it's easy to think about that stuff now. When you're in the moment, they didn't think about that. Um, they just knew, I got to get out of here. They all went back to the door, and um, 100 people didn't make it out of there. All right, go ahead, Jeff. Um, this map actually shows where everyone died in the fire. The highest concentration was right in that main entrance. Um, they were people literally stuck in the doorway and just trampling over each other and everything. Um, there were are or there are videos and pictures that go along with this that are, you know, people that were filming the concert and then just continued the film and caught it all on video. Um, I'm not showing those this morning because I didn't think it was appropriate. Um, but it's very hard to watch, and it's and you see that the person with the camera does get out and it's still filming as they're walking around outside and you can see this whole wall of windows and you can see the people that you can see the people that are just stuck literally stuck in the doorway um, it's because they just human nature was to go out the same door that they came in all right so um, these are some things that you can do to help yourself survive in a stressful or dangerous situation Scripting um, is what I've been talking about today. It means thinking through if and then scenarios in your head so that you have a better plan ready. Practicing just reinforces that plan, right? Now, you're not always going to practice, but you can do scripting all the time and no one is even gonna know what you're doing, right? That's just when you just walk into a restaurant, you sit down with your family and you just look, okay, there's an exit there, there's windows here, fine. Okay, I'm good to go. Nobody even knows what you're doing. Um, practicing is what the schools do, right? They have fire drills. They have lockdown drills. Um, that's what they're doing is practicing so that in the event that something is happening, they've been through it. Everyone kind of knows what to do, and they don't have to think about it, right? And the schools are practicing for these situations. Um, that's what a lockdown drill is for, all right? It's not for a tornado. Sorry to tell you. It's for a, a, a bad guy that's on campus that might hurt the kids. We're going into lockdown. Um, and they practice that. They have drills to practice that. And then also um, thinking ahead a time of combat breathing, right? Um, I was doing that this morning over there before I came up here because <laughs> um, I was a little nervous about this. So to, if you control your breathing, then that will... The, um, directly affect your heart rate and keep you in those safe areas on that graph I showed you earlier. If you just get out of control and you don't control your breathing, you're going to get way up on that scale and not be able to function. When you're in a when you're in a situation, it doesn't even have to be one of these. But if you're in a situation, you can control your breathing or use combat breathing. It will help you get through it and function. And that's and and what that means really is just slow it down. Like, take 10 seconds to take a long, slow, deep breath in through your nose, and then 10 seconds to exhale it, right? 10 seconds sounds like a long time. It's really not. You can do eight seconds. But when you start panicking and your breathing increases and you have these short, quick breaths, that makes your heart rate go up, and that's not what we want. All right, so let's look specifically at the response options that we have and that I want you to remember and use if you find, find yourself in one of these situations. Um, this is the basic strategy, and this is the order of preference, okay? However, you could find, um, 
yourself using these in, in different order because the circumstance and the situation depicts it, right? So, um, we're going to talk about this. And like I said before, avoid, deny, defend is very close to run, hide, fight. Um, and we're going to go through each one of these um, so, and talk about those. So, um, this video that I'm going to show you um, is, a, is a girl that survived the Virginia Tech shooting. And um, we're going to talk about Virginia Tech a lot um, in more detail later on because that's another good case study. Um, but this, this girl um, basically um, tried to play dead when that was going on, and she's going to talk about that. We heard the first shots at around 9.40 a.m. Uh, I was sitting on the wall of the classroom, so in the hallway, and I could hear the shots getting closer and closer very quickly. I mean, there was only a few seconds between the first time we heard them and when he actually walked in. To me, it sounded like um, an ax being taken to a piece of wood. And our teacher, she opened the door, and she peered outside, and she immediately shut the door, and she said, call 911. And right then, he walked in just seconds after. Um, there's absolutely no time to, to think or to duck or to take cover. And people just kind of fell to the floor. And he immediately walked in shooting, and he went to the other side of the classroom, and he started going down the rows. He went down each row very quickly, very purposefully. And I remember thinking, your, your turn is coming. You're going to get shot. I mean, I didn't realize there was an active shooter, but I knew something bad was happening. He came back to our classroom three times, and on the third time, he killed himself in the front of the class. In between each time he was there, you could just hear people crying and coughing, and the cell phone started ringing. Um, when he was in our class, I remember trying not to breathe very much, so he couldn't tell I was alive. Because as my stomach was hitting the, the chair, I was thinking, you know, he can see me breathing, he can see me alive, and, and that was very scary. I'll never forget when the SWAT team first broke in um, at around 9.51. The officer in the front of the classroom said, we have a lot of blacks in here. And at the time, I couldn't comprehend what he was talking about, but he meant triage codes. And I remember looking into the girl to my right and realizing, you know, what black meant. He looked over me and he said, first he said yellow, and then he changed it immediately and he said red. And that's when I first started panicking. I still couldn't speak. I was shot three times, lying on my back. And I remember thinking, what do you see? Like, what can you see on me that I can't, that you would change me from yellow to red? He killed 12 people in my classroom, including our teacher. We heard the first shots at around 9.40 a.m. All right, so um, <clears throat> I'm going to, I feel like I'm running out of time, so I'm going to skip over some stuff. Um, Jeff, can you go to, just skip over to um, slide 25? So, um, so avoid and run is the first step, right? Just get out of there, get away from it. The second, what we don't want you to do is... Um, hide and hope, okay? Because that's not going to do anything. Um, if, let's see, I got out of order since I skipped over. So, um, 
the people that are attacking, right, are, are trying to find um, people to hurt or to kill. So the hide and hope is not going to work. Um, and when I talk about run, hide, fight, or avoid, deny, defend, that, that part, what we're talking about is, so if you can't avoid, if you can't run because um, you open the door and look and the person is right there, then I don't want you to run out and be exposed to them. So <clears throat> what I want you to do is um, deny, all right? That's different than hide. So you're going to deny that person entry into your room. You're going to lock the door. You're going to turn the lights out. You're going to put stuff, as much stuff as you can, in front of that door to deny them from getting in the room. There's a purpose to deny instead of just hiding. Um, <clears throat> let's see. All right, I think it's slide 30, Jeff. Can you go to slide 30? Okay, and then the third option, all right, you can't avoid, um, you've denied as best you can, and now you have to defend, okay? So that's if you've um, got somebody that's coming through that door that you've tried to deny them, but they're coming in, okay, now you're, now you're defending, now you're fighting, now you're in the fight for your life, um, you're going to do whatever you have to do to survive, um, and it's not a fair fight. You use whatever you can find to defend yourself, okay? Um, go to 32, Jeff. Um, what, you do, what you do matters. You can skip over this one. It's really, okay, so what you do in these situations matters, okay? Um, because like I said before, you are buying time until police get there. You're trying to survive those three minutes before police gets there. Um, go, uh, go to the next one. Um, this is a flow chart, kind of what we're talking about. All right, so on the, on the far left, the attack starts. All right, so first thing you want to do is get out your primary exits. Just get out, avoid. Are you able to do that? Yes, you, you avoid, you get out of there. If the answer is no, that's when you go into the deny phase, where you're locking the door, you're denying them entry into that. Are there other exits? Okay, I've blocked the door. Now I'm going to go out the window. I'm going to go out the second floor window because that's better than what I face out that door. Are there other exits available? Yes. Then you go back to the avoid and you're gone, right? If there are no other exits, that's when you go into the last um, option, which is the defend. All right. Um, I want to talk about Virginia Tech a little bit closer. Um, so this is uh, the building where the classrooms were located that were attacked. Um, what this guy did was he went in those doors and then there was like bars that you pushed to open the doors from the inside. He chained and locked them to slow down the police because he knew they would be coming. Um, the next is a picture of the hallway. Um, it's just your regular classroom setting, um, classroom doors across the hall from each other. So this next one, um, this shows the number of victims per classroom um, and it directly affects how the classroom responded to what was going on, okay? So the suspect first entered room number 206, which is up there on the top, um, and then 207, and then 211. Um, every single person in 211 was shot. 11 were killed, six were wounded. And this was the third room that was attacked, and he revisited this room three times, okay? And again, 
I, I'm not talking about anybody that was in that room. I want us to learn from this, okay? Um, it's important because they had opportunities to react, but they, they just didn't. They couldn't, or for whatever reason, okay? Um, this room 211, that's the room the girl that talked earlier was in. All right, room 204 was, um, was a Professor Labrescu. Um, Professor Labrescu held the door closed while 10 of his students escaped out the second floor windows. Um, the professor and another student were shot through the door and killed, and then the shooter was able to push the door open a little bit and injured four students before they were able to escape out the windows. However, his delaying action by holding the door saved numerous lives. Um, <clears throat> room 205 was a complete denial. Um, so what, what these students did, I don't know I don't know who came up with it. I don't know who to give the credit to, but the students laid on the floor and put their feet against the door, and then other students laid on the floor and put their feet on their shoulders, and then they put their feet on their shoulders, and he was not able to get in that room. He shot through the door. He shot through the walls, but nobody was hit because they were low. So that room was a complete denial, and, and nobody was injured. <clears throat> um. Obviously, room 206 did not have much time to react because it was the first room he entered, um, and so they didn't have a lot of time to react. Um, however, room 211, they never reacted, even though he left the room and came back um, a, a total of three times. Again, what you do greatly affects your chances of surviving one of these events. Um, also, one thing I wanna talk about is when the police arrive, at one of these events, or any event, um, there's some things to know and remember. Follow their commands, show your hands, and do not have items in your hands, your cell phones especially, don't have anything in your hands. Um, remember, or don't run and don't run at them screaming. Um, that's not what you wanna do in that situation. Um, remember that the police are also experiencing stress when they arrive on these situations, and they're trying to do all these things to be able to react. Um, you may even be handcuffed until they can figure out what's going on. Just understand that that's part of the process and don't be offended and they will work it out and get everything situated. Um, also, the police have a priority of task once they arrive on scene, all right? Um, they're, when, when the police arrives on scene, they're, they are to stop the killing, all right? So what that means is they have to go find the bad guy and stop them from killing anyone else. Once that is done, then they can stop the dying. Okay, and the difference is that um, when the police arrive, there's injured people on the ground, um, per se, and these police officers are going to bypass them to go stop the killing. And then once the, stop, once the killing is stopped, then they can come back and render aid and stop the dying of the people that are already injured, if that makes any sense. So please understand that, that these trained first responders have orders have a priority of things they have to do, and you may not be their priority, okay? Um, there will also be a delay in the EMS response, all right? I know I've got at least one firefighter in here, right? I'm gonna pick on you, because that's what police and fire do. Um, fire, fire department, um, even though they have, in the city of San Antonio, they usually have six very, you've seen them over here across the street, six big burly, strong guys, they're not gonna come to the scene until the police officers tell them it's safe to do so, okay? Which, I'm not making fun of them. They don't have guns, we have guns. That's part of the process, but that delays them in getting there. 
So they're going to respond very quickly and sit down the street until the police um, eliminates the threat and then says, okay, you can come in. So there will be a delay of emergency personnel. Um, well, why this is important is because it's good to know how to treat, um, you know, to, to have self-care and buddy care. Okay, what do I mean by that? Is if you're injured, all right, you need to understand and know what to do for that injury until these um, paramedics can get there. And when they get there, you heard they talked about trauma codes. If you're a, a yellow, you're going to be walked right past and they're going to go to a red. Okay, so um, things that I'm talking about is is just knowing like how to apply pressure to wounds, um, how to put on a tourniquet. Most people don't carry a tourniquet. So what can you use instead of a tourniquet? When do you use a tourniquet? A tourniquet is used for limbs, arms and legs. If, if there's an injury on them, you apply the tourniquet above that injury um, so that you don't bleed out. That's what a tourniquet is for. Um, a lot of injuries turn into death because people bleed out. Um, if you can stop that bleeding with a tourniquet, then that will increase your, your chances of survival. All right. Jeff, did I leave you in the dust? I'm sorry, man. I'm just like, all right, I think we're on 42. Okay, so now um, let's talk specifically about CT Church a little bit, all right? Um, here are some things that we are currently doing um, for safety purposes. Uh, all volunteers, no matter where you serve, um, have a background check on file, um, which is for everyone's safety here at the church. Um, we currently have two safety volunteers scheduled for both Sunday morning services. Um, we have one volunteer scheduled on Wednesday evening services. These volunteers carry, carry radios, and um, then there's radios at the greeter's desk, at the nursery, in the youth and Espanol building, so that if something happens or they need something, they get on the radio and request one of our safety guys to go over there. Um, <clears throat> Okay, also, um, the way we do the two Sunday morning guys is I'll have one posted in the FLC um, at all times because um, that's where the kiddos are at, right? And if something happens in here, there's, a, there's chances are there's someone in here that can um, try to protect us or protect us or we're going to protect ourselves, right? Kids aren't going to do that. So we've got one person at least posted in the FLC, um, and that's their post. The other guy is um, going around into the other buildings, going through the parking lot, just keeping an eye on things. If something were to happen down here or anywhere else on campus, then we could radio to the guy in the FLC and we can put that building on lockdown and make sure all those doors are locked um, to try to respond appropriately to whatever's going on. Um, we have trained first responders. We have military personnel that, that attend church regularly, and they're going to be called upon um, in the event of an emergency. So what I, mean for, what I mean by that is we want our trained people to be the ones to um, respond, okay? Um, if we have a medical emergency, which we have before, in the middle of service, I, I, don't, I don't need everybody to run over there to, I mean, the human nature is I want to help. I get that, Right. Um, but what you can do is stay out of the way and pray. And then we have our trained medical personnel um, that will go over there and treat that person until the ambulance gets here. Um, we've reached out to those people. They, they know who they are. Um, they've been in email correspondence with the office. And those are the people I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then it's not you. 
So um, understand that, right? And then when it comes to a safety emergency, um, you know, people are going to respond how they respond, okay? Um, and what I mean by that is <clears throat> if something happens in this parking lot over here, I know of half a dozen people in this room that are going to go that way with me to the danger, right? Um, and what I'm telling everybody else to do is to go that way, okay? Um, and I'm not going to tell you how to respond in these situations, okay? Um, if you feel like I can be used and I'm going to go with you and we're going to assemble this little army and go, I'm not going to tell you you're not coming with me, but I'm not telling you that you have to or that you can't, okay? Everybody has to make that personal decision on how they're going to respond. Um, this, this next slide is um, a map of the FLC. This is a super busy map, um, but it was a good one to use. All the little triangles are doors, okay? So um, we've got the main entrance over here in the middle on the left. You've got the two hallways, the classrooms, and then at the end is the um, children's church. So just the reason I put this up here is because we all use the FLC, whether we're volunteering in children's ministry or we're attending a class over there on Wednesday nights or Sunday nights, whatever, we all use the FLC, okay? So here is a good map of where the doors are at, all right? So there's um, exterior doors by the restrooms um, in the kitchen will go outside, and then at the end of each hallway are exterior doors, okay? And the reason that's important is because if something happens up here at the front entrance, then the kiddos and everybody needs to go out the back entrance, okay? And um, the easiest way to remember this kind of stuff is um, we all know how to respond to a fire. I say that. I mean, I gave that example earlier, but most of the time we know how to respond to a fire as far as if there's a fire in the children's church room, we're not going to take the kids in that room, right? We're going to take them, uh, and we're not going to, we're not going to, lock down one of the classrooms that's next to the um, children's church room and wait, right? That's not how we're going to respond to a fire. We're going to get them out. That's the easiest way to remember a situation like this is, is handle it like a fire. If you're, if you're not going to sit in that room and wait for the fire to come in there, then get out of that room. Um, <clears throat> so, I, again, I know this is a lot of information I've thrown at you, um, and if you don't remember anything else, remember just to take a few minutes when you're out with your family, make yourself aware of your surroundings. Um, if you have your handgun license and you do carry a handgun on your person, I can't tell you how to react if you find yourself in a situation like this. Um, it's Like I said, it's a personal decision that you have to make. And I'll be completely honest with you guys. Um, it, I don't know if, I'm, if I feel safer or less safe knowing how many people in here have handgun licenses, okay? Um, overall, it's a good thing. I, I'm all for it, right? But the difference is, is that <clears throat> you go to a class, you pass the class, you pass the qualification, you get your license, you get your gun, and then you never go to the range. You never shoot the gun. And not only that, but you don't train, you don't, it's, it's normal, you don't train in stressful situations, so if you're standing at the range and you're shooting 
100 every time down the middle, it's going to be different when you add stress into that equation and you add fear and you add all these things into that equation. I'm not saying that I'm Superman or that I'm perfect, but I have been through some training to allow me to react and they, they put us through stress shooting. They make us do stuff so that our heart rate is through the roof and then shoot the gun. Stuff like that that normal people don't do. So um, I'm not knocking handgun license. I, I prefer them. I, most of my family has them. And if something happens, you're going to see the whole Vols team going that way, right? <laughs> so whichever way the Volses are running, you run the other way, okay? Um, all right, so I'm going to wrap it up. So the last slide here, this is my email address. Um, if you want to get your phone out and take a picture, um, I put that up there for a couple reasons. If you have any questions or you have any um, suggestions specifically for our church and our property um, or concerns or just, hey, um, I want to know about this. I want to know more about this. What are we doing for this? Email me. Ask me. I'll try to find out. If I don't know the answer, I'll ask um, Janet, and then I'll get back with you. And um, also, if you want to join the safety team, email me. Let me know. We have a good group of guys um, and I'm, we're blessed to have enough that you don't even have to work every month. Um, now we're getting into like maybe six weeks out, okay? So it's not a huge burden that you have to do. But like I said at the beginning of the service, I don't put my safety and my family's safety in the hands of somebody else, okay? If something happens and <clears throat> someone's injured and you don't like the way that that person, our safety guys responded or you don't think they responded correctly or appropriately, the first question we're going to ask you is, are you on the safety team? When, are, when is it that you're um, going to serve on the safety team, right? Um, we have a good group of guys that are doing it. We can always use more. Um, we try to put on training periodically throughout the year for those guys, more specific training. Um, so if you want to join the team, email me and let me know. Um, and if I know I have safety guys in here, thank you all very much for being a part of the team. And um, you guys are great. Um, I'm going to close it so that uh, we don't get out late. That's it, Pastor. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.